coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. This, this is old school, kind of traditional, and it's probably very faux pas today, but my grandmothers would never actually sit at the dinner table because they were always making sure that everyone was well-fed, taken care of, didn't mm-hmm. need anything. And after the meal was done, they would sit down and eat. For the first like three years of the restaurant, we didn't have ketchup because if we didn't make it, we wouldn't serve it. <laughs> That's and, awesome. And now I'm a parent of three boys. And if I went to a restaurant and they didn't have ketchup, we're like, you guys are idiots. Because like, I think there's plenty of people out there that have this image in their head and they want to look cool drinking bourbon, mm-hmm. but they get caught up when they put it in their mouth and like, oh my mm-hmm. God, I'm on fire right now. <laughs> Coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida, you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Just hit the subscribe button and you'll get notified when an episode is ready for download. And then you can listen to them anytime you want, like on your morning jog or commute to work. On today's show, our featured guest is Andy Salyards from Urban Brew and Barbecue in the Grand Central District. Urban has shifted their focus from craft beer to bourbon, and we have an extended educational interview with a blind bourbon tasting. And we end up drunk at the end of this interview. For our musical guest today, Speakeasy returns with another track from their new EP, and we interview Eric Yoder from the band. We We have have a great great show, show, so so stick stick around. around. Okay, Kevin, now it's time for you to answer the Fast Five Foodies questions. Are you ready? Yes. What's your favorite food? Everything on the menu at Salty J's, especially the Toss Big Blue, which is basically a giant hamburger salad with a ton of blue cheese. The buffalo chicken salad is really awesome. And I love their tacos, especially the uh, Placido Bio tacos and the Sweet Thai taco. Also, if you like burgers, the Big Tex Burger is a nice big monster one. just want to shove that whole thing in my face. And then the, the Big J's Loaded Sirloin Philly. You love that one. Yes, I do love that one. It's so good. And Mrs. Salty's favorite massive hot dog. It is huge. It's a freaking half pound, literally as big as your head. Yes. So what's your least favorite food? Anything that's not from Salty J's. <laughs> Goofhead. What's your favorite restaurant in St. Pete? Uh, duh. Salt or pepper? Salt. EJ's. And can you cook? Yes, but I'm not cooking anymore. I just go to Salty J's now. <laughs> Salty J's is on 4th Street North in the 50s, specifically 5625 4th Street North. Let's get salty. Hey, girlfriend, have you heard of Club Saver? What? It's like the coolest new club. You basically go out to restaurants, there's a huge list in the Pinellas area, and you can save like 50% half off on food, drinks. We're talking booze, too. It's the real deal. Hmm. Mm-mm. 
No, I'm for real. It's delicious. And if you eat out anyways all the time with all the new cool restaurants, you might as well save a lot of money and have a good old time. All you got to do is go to clubsaver.com. Check it out. Explore more. Savor more. Bon appetit more. Club Saver members get half off their entrees for themselves and one guest and half off one adult beverage at over 50 of the Bay Area's leading eateries and drinkeries. Use our custom referral code, St. Pete Foodies, at clubsaver.com. Thank you for listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Godby. I am your co-host, Lori Brown. Yes. I never get to say that. Right. We only say that for the first-time listeners, because everybody else has already listened to 51 (laughs) episodes. This is episode 52. Our guest today is Andy Salyards from Urban Brew and Barbecue. You may have heard of it, unless you just moved to St. Pete yesterday. This is going to be a special episode. It's going to be the whiskey-slash-bourbon episode, but we will also include our normal background, and we'd like to welcome you to the podcast. Welcome, Mr. Salyards. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Excited. Thanks for bringing booze. You're welcome. <laughs> we've, we've been known to tip a few. Have, have bourbon, we'll travel. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So real quick, we'll do a quick quickie on your background on Urban Creamery mm-hmm. and, and Urban Brew and Barbecue, so we will have time for tasting whiskeys. Sounds good. So you're originally from California, yes? Correct. Lived all over. Was born in the Bay Area, but grew up a little bit in LA, and then grew up mostly east of Sacramento on the foothills in gold country, and then... Went to school, North San Francisco Bay at a Maritime Academy, and then lived down in San Diego. Went out to sea on board ships, um, working as an engineer, mm-hmm. and then came back, got my master's in business west of Sacramento and Davis, then moved back down to LA for work, and then ended up in Florida. And how'd you end up in Florida? Uh, my wife's job. Nice. So I have a firm belief that everyone in Florida is here because of a woman <laughs> being born here, following one here. And right. she is a... She's a dermatologist. That's what I thought. Yeah. I knew she was in the medical profession and she was a doctor, but I couldn't remember. <laughs> yeah. See, uh, she did her residency here and then we put down some roots and decided to stay. Nice. Right. And your Southern influence, you told us this is an article you wrote a few yes, years ago. Yes. Yeah. Came from your grandparents. Yes. Uh, one set of grandparents from Arkansas, the other from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, so not necessarily deep south. Uh, so catfish and hush puppies played a much harder or larger role mm-hmm. in our kind of dinner table. Mm-hmm. But it's funny to think about the influences that those two grandmothers had, not only in what foods I like, but what hospitality is. Because mm-hmm. uh, my grandmothers, and, and this is this this is old school kind of traditional, and it's probably very faux pas today, but. My grandmothers would never actually sit at the dinner table because they were always making sure that everyone was well fed, taken care of, didn't mm-hmm. need anything. And after the meal was done, they would sit down and eat. Wow. Wow, that is old fashioned, Nora. Right. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but, uh, they had such Lori, big Lori does that too. Yeah. <laughs> no, she doesn't. No, I take an hour to eat a meal. You got to get start me first. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, one of them is actually still alive. And so we talk uh, at least a, once a week, not a couple times a week. And Still talk about recipes and what we're cooking. Oh, that's cool. It's it's extremely cool. Let's talk about Urban Creamery. That's on the 600 block, but it's towards the end, 689 Mm -hmm. Central, right? Mm -hmm. By the uh, Green Richmond Arcade. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where 7th is kind of cut, split. Mm -hmm. So it almost seems like the block ends there, but it's not really the end of the block yet. Right. Yeah, just past the State Theater. We started that a couple years ago. We were kind of looking at, okay, what other concepts could we do in town of food that we're already purchasing or using 
And so some of our recipes have ice cream and we're looking for more sweets. And we kind of took the, the mindset that if we can pay somebody for a finished food product, why can't we just make it ourselves? Mm-hmm. And so if we mm-hmm. can make it, maybe other people would be interested in having it too. Mm-hmm. So the ice cream and the waffles are all made in-house? Oh, yeah, yeah, already. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At one point, our restaurant group was making all our own bread, curing our own bacon, making right. our own beer. We went a little nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. That was yeah. all in the article I wrote. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got a little crazy. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I really like about you, I think, and I think we have in common is when you decide, I'm going to be into this now, I'm going to get into yep. craft beer. You learn every single thing there is to learn, including the history mm-hmm. and everything. And you've done that with whiskey now, which we'll be getting to shortly. But yeah. Getting there, getting out a long really? way to go with whiskey. But yeah, it's, it's my new hobby. The Urban Creamery, 600 mm-hmm. block. Great for desserts. Yeah, dessert waffles and, and homemade ice cream. Uh, and, they, and they do some really cool things with other flavors. Uh, there's a really cool young couple that are running that place now. And within the next year, uh, we're hoping to spin that off and let them own it uh-huh. and, and take it. Since day one of Open Barbecue, Urban Barbecue, we wanted to figure out a way to get employees into ownership. And uh-huh. I've, I've tried a ton of different methods and, and failed a ton at it. I think this one's going to be a success. I feel really good about it. I really enjoy opening businesses, mm-hmm. um, but once they're open, I kind of want to let somebody else really have them. Right. And there's nothing like being um, hosted by someone that actually owns a place instead of just manages it. Mm-hmm. Right. And if someone's going to put their heart and soul in the place, which they should for it to really be a success, mm-hmm. then I think they should get the lion's share of what good comes out of it. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Currently, uh, in the Grand Central District, we have Urban Brew and Barbecue. That's is it, it still Urban Brew, or is it just Urban Barbecue? It's Urban Brew and Barbecue, okay. and okay. then there's um, Urban Catering, mm-hmm. which is going to uh, be the home of a new concept that I think we'll talk about a little later. Yes, okay, okay. Cool. awesome. So, the location for Urban Brew and Barbecue, it used to be called Urban Comfort, and then Urban Brew and Barbecue is in a different location. Those two have now merged together. Yes. Correct. Just in case any of our listeners are not up to date on how things have evolved. Mm-hmm. So that uh, location is in the Grand Central District at 2601 Central Avenue for Urban Brew and Barbecue. And that's where, it, it, that used to be, it kind of has a cool history. used to be a standard oil garage in the 40s and 50s. Yeah, yeah. And so you can see where the kerosene pumps used to be because that whole neighborhood used kerosene fuel for their lights. So they're like really funny stuff like that you don't think about. Like, yeah, we've evolved the last like 20, 30 years with cell phones and all that. But Mm -hmm. then when you think about people are burning oil in their houses, (laughs) holy crap, that's nuts. Yeah, that is. Yeah. (laughs) Got to be careful with that. Yeah. (laughs) There were a lot more fires back then, I think. Yeah. (laughs) And you were, uh, in the earlier days, you were uh, brewing your own beer. Yeah, when when it was Urban Comfort, uh, we brewed our own beer. And then when Irma hit, we lost power for a week. And so retail value, we lost between like forty, forty-five thousand dollars $45,000 worth wow. of beer. And that made me really kind of step back and evaluate everything that we were doing. Mm-hmm. And I think what I, where I landed was a lot of the stuff I was doing because I was kind of being more of an idealist than I should have been. Mm-hmm. Of like, mm-hmm. this is what I really want to do. Right. That happens sometimes. It does. It does. <laughs> I'm very guilty of that. But at the end of the day, it's like a guest coming to your house. And they're like, I want a hot dog and ketchup. And you're like, no, you're going to have foie gras. They're like, well, I don't like foie gras. I want a hot dog and ketchup. You're being a horrible host if you don't accommodate what your guests want. Because mm-hmm. if you're making it about you, then you're missing the mark of like what are, 
what our job really is. And I think where we really landed with Urban is our jobs make people happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to move forward on uh, what people are familiar with and, and what people know about food or how they approach food. Right. But we can't get too far forward or hold the standards that we hold for ourselves against others. So for the first like three years of the restaurant, we didn't have ketchup because if we didn't make it, we wouldn't serve it. <laughs> That's and, awesome. And now I'm a parent of three boys. And if I went to a restaurant and they didn't have ketchup, like you guys are idiots, like get some freaking ketchup because these parents want to have a nice meal right? and their kids not go crazy. Right. Um, so that's, that's been a big learning thing for me of, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to me that we were making our own bacon and making our own bread, but the operational difficulty that comes with that. And then when we get behind or like, cause when you're on a curing schedule, that stuff's got to cure for at least seven days. Right. So if you have a big hit and you run out of product or you run out of pickles cause you're curing your own pickles or not curing, <laughs> but making yeah. your own pickles. Right. Then the guests miss out cause it's not available. Right. So how's that fair? Right. So it's a balance. Yeah. You know, you got to have some ideals, I guess, you know, you can't be totally, right. have no right. ideals, but you have to balance that with some being realistic as mm-hmm. well. And we're also going to balance that with catching a little buzz when we come back <laughs> from the break. That's right. And Lola's a, uh, Wanting to join so, in too. So we're gonna get we're gonna get Lola a bone and us some whiskey, and we will be right back. I must admit, when Booyah Ramen opened nearly two and a half years ago, I wasn't really all that excited. I really couldn't understand how a restaurant could survive serving just ramen. Boy, was I ever wrong. Of course, all I really knew about ramen was the packaged grocery store noodles that I ate on for really cheap in college. I did not understand that ramen is really a thing, a big thing. Kevin is the lover of all things soup in our household, and he was determined to introduce me. I'm so thankful he did. The broth has a complexity that you can't understand until you try it. It has to cook for hours and hours and for some nearly 24 hours to obtain all of the complex layers. But Booyah isn't just about ramen. It is a hip, upbeat environment meant for unwinding and socializing. With housecrafted cocktails, a large selection of Japanese whiskey, and izakaya too. Booyah is located at 911 Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete and is open seven days a week at 11 a.m. Do ya, Booyah? One of our favorite places to go eat in St. Pete is Engine Number no. 9. They've been a staple in downtown St. Pete coming up on seven years and they are famous for their unique and tasty burger creations. As a matter of fact, they are on the St. Pete Foodies list of best burgers in St. Pete. They also made the best hot dogs list, the best chilies, and the best wings in St. Pete. Aside from the food, Engine Number 9 is a great sports bar with lots of TVs, beer, and wine, and you can even get a regular old cheeseburger too, so you can bring your non-adventurous eater friends. Check out Engine Number 9 at the corner of MLK and 1st Avenue North in downtown St. Pete. Their burgers can't be beat. How many times have you heard a restaurant say that they have healthy food that actually tastes great? I've heard it a lot, but unfortunately, it's usually one or the other and not both until the brass bowl came around. Right. Their food actually is healthy and tastes so darn delicious. So good. They use organic ingredients and responsibly sourced seafood. Brass Bowl offers gluten-free, vegan, and carnivorous options. There truly is something for everyone. You will find imaginative flatbreads, bowls, and tasty delicious small plates. 
with options like fresh roasted seasonal veggies, 24-hour sous vide hanger steak, house-smoked salmon, and free-range chicken breast. And up front, they have a cold-pressed juice station and separate menu with juice bowls and elixir shots. It's like two open kitchens in one. Brass Bowl Kitchen and Juicery is really on the cutting edge of the fast, casual culture that is enjoying so much fame these days. Go get bowled over by Brass Bowl. Brass Bowl Kitchen and Juicery is located at 656 Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete. And you can check them out on the web at BrassBowlKitchen.com. We are back! We are back! We are back on the St. Petersburg Foodies podcast with Andy Salyards from Urban Brew and Barbecue. And today, we're going to be tasting some whiskeys. And now, whiskey is the overall... Name. Yeah, yeah. So there's Japanese, there's Canadian, there's Irish, there's Scotch, and then American whiskey has its own subcategories. All these today are bourbons, even though one of them doesn't uh, identify as a bourbon. Mm-hmm. It's made in Tennessee, and it's, it goes through something called a Lincoln County process. So it's a, it's a Tennessee whiskey. Yes, but technically it's still a bourbon, but they wouldn't tell you it's a bourbon, but it's a bourbon. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, Tennessee whiskey is bourbon that's gone through that charcoal Lincoln, filtering. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Interesting. And what Kevin didn't say is we're blind taste yeah. testing. Yeah, we are. And, and really, th- like we've been kind of, this is our approach to alcohol in general. When we first opened Brew and Barbecue, we didn't put tap handles on. We didn't put brewery names on the board. Um, we just wanted you to know what the beer was called and the style and the ABV mm-hmm. so that you'd have a better chance of making an unbiased choice mm-hmm. after you be able to sample some stuff mm-hmm. because we wanted to really get people involved with craft beer because I think there's plenty of people out there that have this image in their head and they want to look cool drinking bourbon, mm-hmm. but they get caught up when they put it in their mouth and like, oh my mm-hmm. God, I'm on fire right now. <laughs> and so uh, I'm really looking forward to this next you know, six months to a year playing around with um, sensory exercises and blind tastings just to get our customer base comfortable with bourbon. And, well, and we're, we're in. When yeah, you're yeah, all right. I, Absolutely. I, I love doing that stuff. That's another thing, the thing we have in common too is that you'll be like learning all the nuances of yeah. these things. So. So we have four samples in front of us, mm-hmm. and you we're said gonna s- we're going to go four, three, two, one, one, two, three, four. Yeah, we're going to smell four, three, two, one, and then we're going to taste one, two, three, four. Okay. Okay. All right. So, so uh, you're, 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 yeah, you, you guys, you're you guys start lead. smelling, okay. and, and I'll walk you through. I think that might be one there, Lori. Oh, it is? Okay. Maybe look at the, the bottom. Yeah, he's lining my oh. four as yeah. close to you. So in this lineup, there is a bourbon that has had a, a second maturation. That means it went from a new charred oak barrel and then to another new charred oak barrel. If it would have gone into anything other than that, then it would no longer be considered a bourbon. One of these is... Is it typical that they move from one barrel to another? So right now, the bourbon industry is somewhat out of shortage because they expected it to accelerate, but not to the extent that it did. Mm -hmm. And so some bourbons that were um, like Heaven Hills, Bottled and Bonded, was always a six-year-aged bourbon, and it had that time on the bottle. Now, that same bottle, which was like $20 on the shelf, is $20 a shot in Kentucky. Uh, supply and demand. Supply and demand. Mm-hmm. So now, they still have that product, but it's a uh, the age statement is not listed because they're having to blend all different ages to get the same uh, flavor. Interesting. Yeah. So when you ask, are they doing that more, Yes, because it allows them to have more products and allows them to kind of craft beer did the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you have breweries in Europe that uh, made one or two beers for hundreds and hundreds of years. 
if you try to do that in America, open a brewery and you're going to make one beer really, really well, like good luck. Mm-hmm. Our audience mm-hmm. has an attention span of a gnat. <laughs> <laughs> like they want to taste what's new, what's new, like give me something else. So are right. we smelling all of these now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Go, go four, three, two, one. So, are we so, supposed to be talking about so, what so we smell? So far, uh, three seems a little bit sweeter okay. on the aroma than four. What predominantly hits you on that number four? For me, it's like honey. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because that's why I keep smelling it. I'm like, hmm. I don't want to sound stupid, but I got cherry. That's so dumb. No, you're, <laughs> yeah. And so that's, that's going to be one of our biggest challenges is getting people over the fear of... Having the wrong answer. Yeah, <laughs> of, of saying what they really like, smell because... What, like, I'm stupid because I didn't get honey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> our sense of smell is the one sense that we have that ties back to memory the strongest. Right. Yeah, exactly. And right. so when I... This is, this, if you want to hear something that sounds stupid, here it goes. When I smell rye... I smell the ends of the flowers in the grocery store when you take them out of that water and that plastic. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's like, how in the world does that make sense? Well, so funny. rye is a grass. There's somewhat like a, a green grassy smell to this, at least to me, mm-hmm. you know, but you, everyone has their own memories that they, t- they take it back to. So when I smell ground wheat grain, I think of communion. <laughs> Which makes sense because the crackers, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. But you uh-huh. would never think like ground wheat grain communion. It's just what memory does it type itself back to? Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things to train yourself on is solidifying those memories because you trying to figure out okay what's that smell versus what do I think of? Right, you're gonna you're, you're what you're thinking of is gonna be so much quicker. Right. So number two mm-hmm. is even sweeter yet, mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit nutty or. Peanut, also, peanut you, butter pie. <laughs> there you go. There you go. When you smell, you want to keep your lips pursed or like your mouth open a little bit oh, because okay. 60 to 90% of your taste comes from your nose. Mm-hmm. And you want to shorter whiffs than longer whiffs and, and give your nose a break. So you want to kind of go in and then go out. So I just did that and I further solidified peanut butter pie. There you go. That's sweet. <laughs> Another thing you can do as well is to smell the bottom of the glass and then smell the top of the glass. Your nose, it varies every three hours from the dominant side. And so hmm. some people are able to use both sides of the nose. I can't. My left side is, is always the dominant. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife's, it's her right. But you will also find that turning your head certain ways in the glass mm-hmm. will kind of make that like more of a direct shot um, and mm-hmm. you'll get a better smell out of it. Interesting. Yeah, you're and right about that. I, I did see what you meant about the peanut butter pie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because you put that in my head, but I couldn't pick, yeah. pick anything I, else out of It's got to be at least 50% that it was put in your head because <laughs> that's how it works for me. Like when you said honey, I'm like, oh, okay, now I can find it. Yeah. And it's, it's very tough, at least for me initially, to keep on remembering to keep my mouth open when I was Right, smiling. I'm trying. And then, then I start like playing with my tongue. I'm like, is my tongue blogging? And then I look like an ape like with his mouth mm-hmm. wide open trying to smell this stuff. Generally speaking, I got uh, softer and sweeter as I progressed from mm-hmm. four, three, two, one. So... Of the four you smelled, which of the four do you think is going to taste the smoothest? One. Four. Okay. And you say one, not the first one you tasted, but... Number one. Which okay. Which was the fourth one yeah. I tasted. And I meant the first one I, yes. I smelled. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, smelled, yeah. I could make a candle out of number four because I think it smells so good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to work our way one through four. Okay. And tasting them. And this is where I'm going to join you. Okay. So when you're tasting, the first sip... You want to let uh, kind of coat your mouth, roll it around mm-hmm. your tongue, because the tip of your tongue, that's where you get your sweet. After that is your salty. If you're ever tasting salty, it's probably a problem. So you just want to skip that one. 
the sides are sour, the back is bitter. You want to coat your mouth. And then uh, that first sip is somewhat of a throwaway because you are acclimating your mouth right. about what's to come, right? Right. So you, get, you, you get a little bit of heat, even if it's not, a, a, even if it's very smooth, you'll still get a little yes, heat. Yes, you're going to get a little yep. bit of heat. Right. And that is something that does uh, kind of set bourbon apart. That, that little bite should be there. There's something called a Kentucky Chew. Uh, it's probably been around for who knows how long, but the moniker or that name was given to uh, Booker No, who was mm-hmm. the master distiller of Jim Beam. And he would take a sip and he'd roll around his mouth and kind of in a chewing motion. And then when he was swallowing, uh, really smack his lips. And that would draw air in and tie the mouth to the nose and where the flavor really comes. Now, if you try that, uh, you're going to get something called a Kentucky hug where you're going to cough if you, if, you, if you do it too much. There you go. <laughs> Thank you for not hitting the microphone. Perfect. <laughs> no, that and that was totally. I promise you yeah, guys, yeah. not planned. <laughs> yeah. But I did what he said and sucked in the air and mm-hmm. yeah. That first one. What do you think about it? I think it's very good. Kind of melony. Okay. Bit of melon. Based off on how it smelled, is it smoother, less smooth? Just like what you thought it would be. I didn't really have any preconceived notion of what I thought any of these would be. Except I told you I thought I was going to think number four was the smoothest, smoothest, because mm-hmm. I thought they all smelled fairly smooth and the aroma to me seemed a little more smooth than the flavor, but the flavor was not harsh. It was still it was still smooth. So uh, something you want to look for. But you're right, because I've taken four sips of number one now. Uh-huh. I finish it in the sipping process, not not doing this like a shot, which you're yeah, not yeah, supposed yeah, yeah. to do. Don't do a shot. <laughs> Unless it's like um, and the last, the fourth, the fourth one was mm-hmm. definitely the, the smoothest. I really got to taste the flavors a little bit better. Mm. Oh, the fourth sip. The fourth sip. Yeah, okay. And I know from wine tasting, they always say the third sip is the charm. So mm-hmm. it's kind of the same, following mm-hmm. that same, you, you swish and you do all of that the first time around and suck in the air a little bit. So, yeah. And you can even revisit the glass too mm-hmm. and smell it again and mm-hmm. you might pick up something different because that aroma in the glass is going to be there until we wash that thing because it's just nice. coated so what do you get from this one that it's gone <laughs> <laughs> are you going to tell us what it is now not yet we're going to go through all four and then, okay. I'll, then I'll lay them out interesting but um while you're tasting number three now oh other- i haven't tasted two yet oh sorry two yeah sorry yeah, two. two other things to keep track of is how long is the finish mm-hmm. and then that kind of pop rock sensation that you get in your mouth. Where is it hitting your tongue? Where is, is it hitting the roof of your mouth? Is it hitting the side? Mm-hmm. And those can be indicators of, is there more or less rye in there? Is there a second maturation? The proof of it, if you get like a long finish. This number two is smoother uh-huh. and has a longer finish. Okay. But I think that's, that's the... Um, this one hits me back here almost okay. immediately. Yeah. When she says back here, she's pointing to her yeah, throat. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm pointing to the back of my throat. <laughs> and it's uh, it's got peppery yeah. notes to it for yeah. me. Uh-huh. Um, I'm guessing there's some rye in here, but that's my guess. <laughs> so typically, every bourbon will have rye in the grain bill. Mm-hmm. Usually, it's around a 70 to 75% corn. And then you'll have mm-hmm. your flavoring grain, which is either wheat or rye. Mm-hmm. Uh, more and more craft distilleries are, are experimenting with other grains. And then you have your malted barley, which the lowest I think that's been done is 3%. Typical is more 5 to 10%. Right. And that's not there for flavor. It's because they need the enzymes to break down the long sugar chains. Yeah. So a little note for our listeners that might not know this and find it interesting is 
there's actually a legal definition for bourbon and yeah. for rye both, they're, and they're both pretty, the same. For bourbon, it has to be 51 per, at least 51% mm-hmm. corn mash, mm-hmm. and for rye, at least 51% rye mash. But then after that, they can do whatever they want, uh, but it's usually more than the 51%. It's usually more. They have to be put into a new oak container that's been charred, mm-hmm. and it has to be made in America. It doesn't have to be made in Kentucky. It has to be made in America. Mm-hmm. Arguments, and I forgot whose argument this was, was that you could take whiskey uh, that's known as white dog straight off of the distillate, essentially, put it in a bucket, and then put it in a bottle, and that's legally bourbon. <laughs> it's not going to be any good compared to other bourbons because mm-hmm. it hasn't been able to pick right. up the flavor from the barrels. When a when a bourbon's in a bottle, typically about sixty five percent, sixty to seventy percent of its flavor comes from the barrel itself. Mm-hmm. And so I was given the opportunity to taste bourbon from three different barrels, same exact recipe, same exact warehouse, just the barrels are different. Completely three different whiskeys because mm-hmm. the barrel plays so much into it, and that's really the terroir of the bourbon world is because those oak staves are coming from all over the place and who knows what happened to those trees and they impart so much flavor. And so the jobs that these master distillers do of getting the same flavor profile every time when they're doing runs of 500 barrels to 10,000 barrels is insane. Yeah. Very similar to, to wine as well barrels and the barrel that's used except that they're trying to get, get the profile the same right and vintner's got the best the job wine in the world. regions is not yeah it's they, never going to be exactly the same they make wine and it's like this doesn't taste anything like last year like oh terror, what are you gonna do it's <laughs> like, uh, i don't know give me a good product <laughs> okay I'll, I'll quit comparing to wine sorry no 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 there, yeah, so it's the same thing in beer brewers screwed themselves because they made the product the same time the same way every time mm-hmm. and vintners they got it right i mean they just they put out yeah, there with it's the gonna be different some, because yeah. every season celebrate different. it every yeah. harvest yeah. is Vintage. different yeah so i'm gonna guess that the reason we went four three two one and now we're going one two three four is that the flavor profile is going to be the reverse of the aroma profile as we progress in each direction yeah and and Maybe not reverse of the flavor profile, but I think it, the, number four, or uh, the order we're going to now, is less and less palatable for someone that's newer to bourbon. Okay. And so... And um, I, ironically, so far for me, three is the smoothest. Now, does that have something to do with the fact that I started off here and my mouth's already coated? Exactly. So I don't taste the heat immediately? I'm warming you up. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So when building a flight... We're getting on to your tricks now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When building a flight... Um, you don't want to start out with your heavyweight mm-hmm. because then they're not going to smell, right. taste anything right. after that. And that just makes sense That's because that's with everything that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's with food. That's why you start out with like a salad. Yeah. yeah. You know, when you work your way up to the big steak or whatever. Mm-hmm. And same thing even with cigar dinners, which they're not done so much these days because there's really no place you can smoke inside anymore pretty much we can change that kevin back back in okay (laughs) okay. but back in the old days back in the 90s when i was uh, down in miami there were cigar dinners at don shula's all the time yeah and you'd get a very light small cigar to pair with your salad so the cigars would work up in potency as the food became more hearty yeah you you do it with you do with food you do with beer you do with wine you do it with whiskey it's no different it's I refer to it kind of as like amplitude, and then if you're making a parallel pairing or an inverse pairing, 
Hansen, this one's yummy. Uh-huh. Sorry, I'm getting a little tipsy. On, too. No, it's great. Are you on three right so, now? Uh, it's like something, caramel. Something else There's caramel in there. It's is, uh, yeah, totally. You, you guys may have washed your hands or done anything. And so that's why I love these glasses because you can hold the base. Mm-hmm. The further your hand is from your nose, the, the uh-huh. less influence uh-huh. your palate may be from any other foreign kind of like I stripped a bunch of time this morning mm-hmm. so I try to wash my hands really good right right but, so you're not mm. spending time yeah exactly well I didn't touch any caramel <laughs> yeah <They're, laughs> they are becoming more flavorful they for are. me yeah. as we work through one two three four yeah. so you know I just spent a week in Kentucky going to three distilleries a day and then bourbon bars at night I don't know how much bourbon we drank or tasted really but it was, it was pretty funny by the end of the week we, we were drinking white dog out of the, the still, you know, like, oh, yeah, this this tastes pretty good. I, yeah. And it's like, what in the world? We're drinking 125 proof, you know, no problem. So on number three, I get some apple. Mm-hmm. I got caramel, but I can definitely see the apple. It's like a, it's like a caramel coated apple. So I'm curious to see if you think number four still smells the same. Hold on. I got to put my hands in the right place. That sounded bad. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. It's totally different now, right? Yeah. Because I said honey. Yeah. Then I wanted to change that, though, to more like honeysuckle was what I smelled mm-hmm. in the beginning. It actually smells smoother to me now. It always smelled smooth to like, me, but yeah. yeah. So well, th- yeah. None, none of these are, are harsh or hard. They're all somewhat smooth. But this one, number four, which we smelled first right. earlier, I got a tiny bit of heat. Uh, off, the, off the aroma. Off the aroma. Yeah. I'm not getting it now. Yeah. That, so, I mean, that is proof in the pudding that your senses have changed drastically. You just said pudding. Now this tastes like pudding. I'm, 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 <laughs> is it vanilla pudding? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, vanilla. There's yeah, you're going to get a ton of vanilla oh, on totally this one. Vanilla, yeah. yeah, caramel on the nose. But then when you taste it, there's a little bit of candy in there, but you get that heat. I just hit the table, sorry. <laughs> I didn't get as much heat anymore. There's, really? a, little, there's a little bit. It's hitting there's, the there's back some. of my throat right. only. Yep. Right in the back. Not, a, not in my tongue anymore, not on my cheeks or anything like that. There's nuttiness. I got a, I think it's like a walnut flavor okay. almost for me. Yeah, I got walnut, totally. So to me, walnut and And that flashed me back. Little. That flashed me back to my grandmother used to keep walnuts and, and a cracker. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. My grandma had a huge walnut tree, so Christmas time. Like crazy amount of walls around the house. Right. So yeah, bowls See? of bowls of yeah. crackers. Yeah, yeah. I love Memory. Memory. <laughs> so, which of these do you think was the weeded bourbon? Can we get a hint, like uh, characteristics of? So, a uh, uh, well-known distillery in Kentucky decided to make a weeded bourbon, and the way he decided on what wheat is, he baked bread, just constantly baked bread using different types of wheat, because he wanted a sweeter bourbon. Okay. So the characteristic of, because since rye or wheat is going to be your flavoring grain, rye will bring a bitterness mm-hmm. and almost some of a, a harshness. You should have like gave us the questions first. <laughs> <laughs> I know now I'm like, woo! <laughs> so I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. So sweeter. It would, would be kind of like what they're shooting for. Hmm. I would say two. Okay, number two. Yeah, I'm between two and three. Okay, and then now the Lincoln County process is filtering the whiskey through um, charred maple mm-hmm. and they'll i don't know how big in diameter but they'll like six feet deep put a bunch of maple wood and they filter that so which one of these do you think went through the lincoln county process N- number one number one number four number four okay and one of these <laughs> was put in a secondary barrel so it was a bourbon and then they wanted to pull more um, tannins 
out of uh-huh. the barrel, right? Because you kind of wore out the barrel that it's in somewhat. So they put it in a brand new charred oak barrel for probably like two weeks to 12 weeks. Number one. I think number one. <laughs> number four. This okay. is no fair. He's got us drunk and everything. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one is just a, um, it's really not, not a run, it's not fair to say run the mill. But it is a great representation of what the category should be in terms of the mash bill is kind of right in the middle where everybody would be. The time and the barrels where it should be. It's in Kentucky. So I don't know what numbers you haven't said yet. Of Three. 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 Okay. Three. Hey, we agree on one I, of them. Yeah, I didn't say so. That. So we're wrong completely, right? Uh, you got one right. <laughs> yes. The um, number one is actually Jim Beam Double Oak. Oh, so oh, nice. So the one that I think you guys both thought was really, really smooth, starting out because that's the first one you tasted, is actually only a $20 bottle. So that's right. the one that was the double barrel. Yeah. I almost changed my answer, but you said, which one haven't you said? But I was going to say number one. Yeah. Not to. Yeah. So, so, number so, t- so yeah. we're also dispelling the myth about, you know, the more expensive stuff right. is the better totally. stuff. Yes. And it also goes to your personal preference as well. It totally. Does. And, and um, a lot of those prices of bottles have been jacked up because of the scarcity. Mm-hmm. So it's exclusivity. So, yeah, I can buy a, pop, a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle for $5,000. The reason why it's so expensive it's is because yeah. once there's, you know, however many of us in a room, there's right. no more bottles. Right. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's 100 times better. It's right. impossible. for right. it to, Like, it has to just it's pour itself in my mouth for demand. it to be that, you yeah. know, ah. it is supply and demand. The weeded bourbon was actually number four, the one that smelled really, really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you hadn't warmed up your mouth, mm-hmm. wouldn't have been as smooth. Hmm. Uh, so that's Maker's Mark. Number two was Old Forester. Mm-hmm. Great history to that distillery. They're the reason why bourbon's in bottles. They're also the reason why the Bottle and Bond Act. Um, they recently just got back in their original building in downtown Louisville. Something I learned this week too. It's not Louisville. It's, it's Louisville. Louisville. Yeah, Louisville. Like kind of Our wo- good friend Bryce Hudson is from Louisville. Yeah, you gotta like drop your yeah. chin when you say <laughs> Louisville. Louisville. So we got, we got a really cool tour of that place. And the last uh, number three was George Dickel. Mm-hmm. George Dickel um, is very close to Jack Daniels. I love that product. Again, it's, it's not a very expensive one, but it's extremely to me. It's very extremely smooth. I love putting that in like teas with mint and lemon. But the, the main point to all this was to highlight how different a bourbon can smell versus taste mm-hmm. and then how your personal preference can lead yes. you to a bourbon that's 20 bucks by the largest bourbon manufacturer in the world, and there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Right. Right. Thanks for getting us buzzed. Yeah, man. <laughs> a little bit drunk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, this is the drunk episode. Yes. <laughs> So, Andy, you have some surprise news for us as I slightly Exciting. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, again, I apologize for throwing this thing off the rails. Uh, Kevin and Lori were not expecting me to bring five different bottles of bourbon <laughs> for the interview today. Uh, and so this has gone wonderful. Um, but, yeah, we uh, kind of go along with the theme of figuring out how do we make employees into owners. Uh, our catering chef, Sal, has been with us, man, at least three years, if not a little bit longer. We um, met Sal. I remember meeting yeah, him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, he started out as a part-time prep cook, took over kitchen manager for Urban Comfort when it was open, moved to our management company, has been running catering. The guy can cook everything under the sun. Just a great, great chef. An extremely hard worker, an extremely trustworthy, 
and so we have a space and we kind of figuring out, okay, what's the next direction for the space? What do we want to do? And Sal's always had a desire to own his own place. And so that's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to open a new place. It's not going to be branded urban. And um, I am not going to be the visionary for this place. I'm not the driving force behind it. I'm very much in a support role, which is where I'm way more comfortable. If, if, if when playing football, I could have been a lineman, I would have been, but I was way too small. Um, <laughs> so it's the, the name of it is going to be The Floribian, and it is Floribian Cuisine. So cool. what I love about this type of cuisine is is approachable from so many angles. I don't I don't know of any other cuisine that has as much of an outside influence from so many different areas. So you have Latin, you have African, you have Indian, you have Asian, mm-hmm. and you have the indigenous food that was there already, the Creole. That's awesome. Um, where, I'm super where's excited. the space? Is it? It's going to be 2410 Central. It's where Urban Catering is currently. That's what I figured. So right. we are um, going to yeah. start remodeling that space here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's already been working on the menu. Um, I'm just really excited to see what direction he goes. That's awesome. We can't wait. Yeah. 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 Sounds great. And that, so do you have an anticipated time frame for opening? Uh, I'll be disappointed if we're not open by the end of the year. Okay. Yeah. That's one of the best answers we will we've too. ever received on that okay. question. I'll be very disappointed in you, Andy. <laughs> <Damn> it. <laughs> yeah. It's a tough question. It is. So, Andy Salyard's. Urban Brew and Barbecue. Mm-hmm. Thank yes. you. This thank, was fun. Thank you so much. Yes. You're welcome. We will be right back. Have you been to Pacific Counter? It is one of the newest fast casual concepts located on one of the fastest growing blocks in St. Pete, the 600 block of Central Avenue. They offer build-your-own bowls, burritos, or salads with a variety of the freshest bases, toppings, and sauces to satisfy anyone's craving and put you in charge. There are actually 6 million 432 189 combinations possible. Overwhelmed by Build Your Own? I know that I sometimes am. Well, you can also choose from their counter creations menu already picked for you. The first couple of times we ate there, that's exactly what I did. Then I decided to get adventurous. For bases, they offer sushi rice, brown rice, noodles, or greens. Sushi rice seems to be the norm, but I'm not a big rice person, so I finally tried the noodles, and to say I fell in love is an understatement. They are actually sweet potato noodles, I found out later. I have no idea how they make them seem like rice noodles. I added fresh tuna and salmon, my choice of toppings and a sauce, which I didn't even need because the bowl was so good without it. I told Kevin I could eat this every day and I would probably lose weight and love it at the same time. If you haven't checked out Pacific Counter, I would highly recommend it. They are open for lunch and dinner, have a variety of unique alcoholic and non-alcoholic drink options, and they have the beloved Dole Whip. Find your fresh at Pacific Counter. Pacific Counter is located at 660 Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete. They are open 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Sunday through Thursday and 11 a.m. to midnight on Friday and Saturday. This is Chris Walker and you're listening to Welcome back to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Our music segment, which showcases local artists, is brought to you by One Step Media and Kate Reuter. One Step Media provides management, marketing, and booking services to independent artists, and Kate herself is also a singer-songwriter. 
For our music segment today, we have two of the members of the band Speakeasy. We'll talk to Brendan Porter, bassist, and Eric Yoder, lead vocals and guitar, about their just-released EP titled Bloom. We'll skip the Fast Five foodies questions and have an extended interview with Eric. And we have a triple encore performance for Speakeasy. You guys are the only band that's been on twice, and now you're the only band that's been on three times. Wow. Let's make it ten. So, <laughs> we'll just have the Speakeasy segment <laughs> until we run out make of songs. Make it a weekly thing. Yeah. 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 But it is, I have to admit, it's because, not that we couldn't get anybody else, mm-hmm. but I love your music so much I couldn't stay with one song from the new EP, which is why you're here. Anybody that didn't remember or listen to last week, the new EP is Bloom with an exclamation point. That is out now. Can be downloaded from all the every everywhere mm-hmm. wherever you download songs. It's going to be there. We focused more on some of uh, Brendan's personal stuff last week. This week it's Eric's turn. I'm so ready. and welcome to the show, Brendan Porter, yes, bassist from Speakeasy, Eric Yoder, lead singer and guitar player from Speakeasy. Before we get into the featured song, Eric, when did you start playing music? It's almost embarrassing to admit, but those there are those video games, Guitar Hero, Rock Band, oh, yeah, that kind of them. stuff. Mm-hmm. When I was like 11 years old, I was way into that kind oh, of wow. stuff. It was fun. Got you into some of the older music, which I started to listen to. I had this one, the Beatles Rock Band. Oh, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. I right. got into that pretty well. And then I was like, you know, I could learn this on the guitar. And I had a friend who was also playing that kind of music, who was better than me. So I was learning off of mm-hmm. him, playing the games, starting to realize, oh, there's some good and real music out there. Mm-hmm. I can play it. And I got ro- hooked real quick. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So two things on that. Uh, when I was in high school, which was a long time ago, I had my, one of my first bands. I found out that the bass player didn't like the Beatles, so I fired him. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you can't be in my band if you don't like the Beatles. Smart. And then later on in life, you know, after learning how to play guitar, Guitar Hero came out. I'm at a friend's house, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I want to play. Couldn't do it. Total spaz. It's not even close to the same. <laughs> no. I think Guitar Hero is harder. Yeah, uh, me too. I know. So you're the lead singer. When did you start singing and did you have formal lessons? Okay, so um, I played guitar as like a closet, like a room, like in my room kind of player for the longest time. Then when I hit college, about 18 years old, a little open mic on the campus, started playing that, started singing, playing a lot of like Jack Johnson kind of acoustic stuff. Mm -hmm. Cool. Learned to get my voice from that and then... I realized that potential is high because singing really takes you places that guitar playing doesn't necessarily take Mm -hmm. you. Right. Right. Totally. So basically you're self-taught. Basically, yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Cool. So uh, we heard from Brendan on this last week, but what's your take on the new EP as far as how it fits into Speakeasy's journey as a band? There's a few songs on there that are kind of songs that we've had for a long time that we've kind of meshed like we formed as a band and wrote these songs because they're so they're kind of like the nucleus of our basic foundation in a way like mm-hmm. how we play together how we fit in and then there's some new stuff on there that is kind of our evolution so it's kind of a mix of both of kind of not necessarily older speakeasy but just our growth and it fits in with the name in a way sure. the music and the name cool yeah bloom R- right. remind yeah. us again how long you've been together like wouldn't it be 2017 yeah, about um, two years. Two years and like four months. Cool. I think. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, and bands are like relationships, aren't they? They are. Absolutely. Yeah. Stay in love and don't break up. <laughs> <laughs> so today's featured song is titled All Wrong. And you guys get me every time with the minor sevenths, major sevenths chords. As soon as I hear them, I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is awesome. 
Now, this one's in D. That's right. And the verse goes back and forth from D minor 7 and, and A minor 7? Yep. Yep, cool. And then, oh, and then the wah-wah pedal on the guitar. Hello. <laughs> Hook the old guy again. It's <laughs> not a wah-wah. Oh, 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 is it not? It's an envelope filter. It's very similar, but it's a okay. little different. It's that Jerry Garcia, Grateful Dead kind of. Okay. Womp, 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 yeah. womp. Like, it's a little different. But cool. Pretty much. Yeah, and that's, that's on the leads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any certain effects on the rhythm? Not, no, not really. No? Okay. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as usual, the bass and guitar riffs are awesome, and the vocals are filled with soul, man. Yeah. Thank they you. Are they are. awesome. Yeah. Great voice. And who, who's doing the harmonies on that, too? Um, that's mostly our keyboardist, Kay. Yeah. He's yeah. kind of a mastermind when it comes to harmony. Awesome. So we awesome. kind of use him a lot for you know, that. I find that to be common in keyboard players. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so in one of my old bands, the keyboard player, hanging out one day, and she loved Beatles songs, as did I. And she just starts singing the harmony. I'm like, wow, I didn't really know that note was even there, but it is. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, don't I know. think people who play the piano have a better understanding of music in a way because yes. like it's laid out in front of you yeah you know? right exactly yeah. yeah eric you wrote the lyrics yes, yes. and and the music for the most part mm-hmm. and I, there was a little help on the lyrics too from our keyboardist k and like the last verse mm-hmm. and i didn't get to really study the lyrics i just kind of listened to them quickly but it sounds like it's a song of struggle a little bit but like not necessarily a painful struggle just kind of like a realization struggle kind of mm-hmm. like you know maybe it, the way i've been doing things isn't like just because I think it's right doesn't necessarily mean it's right. That's kind of how the song is. Okay, that's mm. cool. Yeah, yeah, that's a cool yeah. statement. So you guys can be found online. The website is speakeasyofficial.com. Brendan Porter, bassist, and Eric Yoder, lead vocals and guitar for Speakeasy. The new album is Bloom. It's out now, and here we are with Speakeasy with All Wrong. <laughs> Feel the heat, man, I think it's gonna burn me It's gonna turn me
into this desert land Don't feel the same to see you gone Taking me so long, so long to see you all wrong Comments on last week's show with Lee Aquino. Lee actually got a record number of comments so far in our podcast history. Donna Tomes, proud of you, Lee. Kim McAvoy, love, love, love. Bridget Weber, this is so cool. So proud of you, Lee. Sheila Gamberkick, Lee Aquino, you did awesome. Kirsten Elise, Lee, awesome, bro. Do your thing. Charles M. Brown II, love it. Miss you, bro. Jen and Mike Bell, you're the man, Lee Aquino. Keep cranking out those beautiful flavors. And Ryan Jolly said, awesome, chef. Please give us a comment wherever you listen or on Facebook and tell us your favorite part of this specific episode or what you like about the show in general, and we'll mention your name and read your comment on next week's show. St. Petersburg Foodies is expanding. We have a new addition to the team. Please welcome our new writer-photographer, Lindsay Harris, and she wrote a delicious piece on Noble Crust for you to check out on the blog. That's stpetersburgfoodies.com. You can email us at info at stpetersburgfoodies.com. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating. We have a five-star rating with just 17 ratings. We've been stuck at that 17 for a few weeks now. So please join in and give us a five-star rating and type a review if you're so inclined. It helps the show get found and gain new listeners. The St. Petersburg Foodies podcast can also be found on iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Player FM. 
you can listen to us on your voice-activated home assistant too, such as Apple HomePod, Amazon Echo, and Google Home. Just say their name, your whatever your code word is, and say, play the St. Petersburg Foodies podcast. This is Mike Spinagle from Booyah Ramen, and you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies podcast. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guests, Andy Salyards, Brendan Porter, and Eric Yoder. And thanks to our sponsors, Pacific Counter, Salty Jays, The Brass Bowl Kitchen and Juicery, Club Saver, Booyah Ramen, and, and Engine, Engine Number no. 9. Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef and Channel 10 News. And our theme music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Please give us a rating and review on whichever app you're using to listen to the show. And remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold. Fifty-year-old Macallan, a particular favorite of yours, I understand. So, what's the toast? To the women we love? <laughs>